Okay, so thank you very much for joining me um, in this podcast episode. And today I am very excited because I am joined by Fanny Snaith, the money coach expert. So first of all, Fanny, thank you so much for joining me um, mm-hmm. to talk about money um, and families. Um, so a very, very warm welcome. Um, what I'd love to do, Fanny, if it's okay with you, first of all, is just to you to do a little bit of intro, who you are and kind of um, how you got to be what you're doing now. Okay. So uh, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me along today. And um, it's lovely to be in the group. I am a mother myself. So I'm, oh, but my girls are gross. Well, 18 and 22. So I've, I'm quite a long way down the road, not having to worry about them sleeping. I'm more worried about getting them up. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So I am a certified money coach. I'm also a cognitive hypnotherapist and I work with people to heal their relationship with money, should they be struggling to get their finances sorted out. Um, Even if people are sort of sorting their money out, I think it's just really important this day and age to um, know that that we've got to have money. We need to be able to get enough money in our bank accounts, enough money in our pensions, enough money to keep us comfortable until we pop our clogs off this mortal coil right it's i think what tends to happen well i know what tends to happen is we slip and slide through life um money is sort of accompanies us wherever we go and yet and often actually dragged around like an angry child there you go there's a there's a comment for the all group and i help people to sort of really see to give it the importance that it deserves so that it serves them serves their family and gives them the kind of life that they want to lead um you asked me how did i come into doing what i'm doing well i started off um back in 2015 wanting to get out of the job that i've been in for 13 years um deciding to become teaching people how to be their own personal bookkeeper and because i was good at managing my own money i'll give you the reason why i was good at managing my own money in a minute And so I thought, oh, great, I've invented this fantastic spreadsheet money management system called Money Mapping, and I will charge people to help them manage their money. And it'll be a great return on investment because they'll save loads of money and then build up pots of money for the future. And I would invite people along, business people, and I noticed that they just didn't want to do it. It wasn't their ability that stopped them from doing it. It was what was going on in their mind. I had somebody actually vomit because they didn't want to have a look at their finances they were so fearful of looking at their finances i had people nearly pass out and then i had lots of people who wanted to who seemed like they've got they had really overactive bladders and things they wanted to go to the loo all the time and then others that would just sort of gaze out of the window and like and i was thinking what's the what is the matter with you people so i then decided that i needed to find out more about the psychology of money because obviously it's not their ability. You know, they were managing millions of pounds, some of them, at work as part of their as part of their job as managers, etc. But when it came to their own personal finances, everything was going by the wayside and statements aren't opened, or you know, you sort of open it, it's not in the red, oh yeah, that'll do. And nobody really none of nobody none of them were really sort of driving their financial life. It was just sort of drifting along with them. Um 
which obviously isn't going to give you that great results, right? Not going to be that brilliant. So I decided to learn all about psychology of money, ended up going to a place called or joining the Money Coaching Institute in America. And it was there that I realized that even though I was good at managing my money on a practical level, my relationship with money was, excuse my French, bloody awful. Um, because all of my wealth building, of which I've been pretty good at, was done from a place of fear, not a place of joy or a feeling abundance. It was actually like hoarding it and almost tyranny to a certain extent. And the reason for that was, is that money has always been a core running through my life. My mum went through three husbands by the time I was 10 and all of the marriages were based on money. Um, my dad was, he used to write everything down and like everything was like, you know, uh, he used to wear trousers with holes in and they were perfectly adequate and furniture would be worn out and that was perfectly adequate. Whereas my mum, who inherited a shed load of money, she was like a big spender. And actually when that happened, they, that was the thing that drove them apart when, when money came into their household. He was like writing everything down and wanted to save it. And she was going, let's go on holiday, let's buy a new house and all this kind of stuff. And it just pulled them apart. Second husband wasn't very nice, which resulted in mum packing my sister and I off to boarding school. So I was seven when I went off to boarding school. And when I went there, um, even though I knew I came from a, or had the feeling that I came from a wealthy family, stepping over into that threshold, I felt like the pauper overnight because there was some like uber rich people there. So that was interesting. Didn't do much for my self-worth and my self-esteem. Notice, link to finances, value, all that kind of stuff. And then my husband, my mum's my third husband, who was her bank manager, um he he got blackmailed and he gave all our money away so overnight i had to come out of boarding school join the local comprehensive on free school meals and it felt you know much as i'm grateful that we had a roof over our head etc it was very very different from what i got used to at boarding school and i remember standing in that free school meals queue i was also the tallest person in what we call the first year it's the year seven now I was also the youngest. I started at 10. I'd skipped a year of school rather than going to primary school. I remember standing in that free school meals queue. Everybody, I felt that everybody was looking at me. They probably weren't, but I felt that everyone was looking at me. They thought I was the posh kid because I spoke well, even though we didn't have a bean. And I remember clearly saying to myself, and thinking I was really angry and saying, I am never going to be beholden to anybody for money when I grow up and I'm going to become a millionaire that's what I said and so I'd set a little intention in the back of my mind it wasn't like a goal that I strategized and all this kind of stuff but it was in the back of my mind and so unbeknownst to me I became a money hoarder so I started earning money and putting it away and investing and saving and everything and when we reached the seventh digit on our net worth statement and I said to Neil, I said, Neil, Neil, we've made it. We've got a million pounds on our net worth statement, whatever that means. And he looked at me and he just goes, well, hasn't really got much to do with me, has it? I was like, oh, oh, my goodness. And I actually realized that we weren't particularly happy. So as you can see, 
money has sort of like flowed through my life and I'm just really interested in people's relationships with money and knowing that if you can improve that relationship with money you can get wealthier happier in a happy way because you can be wealthy and be bloody miserable too absolutely you know absolutely. there are plenty of people out there who have plenty of money and who are not happy so my big key around it is to have people have happy wealth happy money happy i wish money. i might I'd like to I'd like to say I, I wish that was my IP but unfortunately it belongs to a guy called Ken Honda by the way no. he's written a book called Happy Money and it's really very very good so oh okay at least it's good that's okay that's my, that's my first recommendation of the day Happy Money by Ken Honda okay brilliant right we'll check him out okay brilliant um it's so interesting to kind of see um it's only when you look back on a journey sometimes isn't it that you can see where those kind of key things kind of started like the seeds were planted and then how it's kind of affected your life um without kind of you realizing it at the time absolutely and if and when i look back to my childhood every every memory i have around money before i went to boarding school which are the key years zero to seven which is when your child your people's children you know all children up until about the age of seven everything that they see and they hear and are told they take as red because that part of the other part of their brain isn't developed yet so we need to be very careful what we show what we put in front of our children up until their their brains start to develop and when i think about what i saw around money up until that time it was always conflict fighting arguments stressful energy just always a feeling of of stress around it yeah. real stress around it and it lasts you know and so there's no wonder that even as that story progressed that when i did decide that i wanted to be rich it was a very much an away from motivation i.e i want to be rich because i don't want to be brought poor rather than i want to be rich so i can have a nice house and lead a really lovely life and have the choices and all this kind of stuff and lead but lead an abundant life it was really a case of getting wealthy through scarcity and not through abundance and that's a big 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 difference absolutely absolutely and i think that's really kind of poignant at the moment with what's reported as the living crisis the cost of living crisis it's the word scarcity kind of comes to mind when i when i think about that it does i am I'm, I'm very torn on on this because the thing is there are very definitely people out there who are seriously struggling i mean i was hearing a man on the radio the other day he was in his late 50s he had a business which he lost during lockdown had some mental health issues he's now on benefits he never ever thought that he was going to end up this way and just by being on benefits he just can't make ends meet you know he's for 140 jobs in the last four months and he's had three replies now that i can i can really understand why people why people like him are very near to tears on most days and when you go come along then let's raise your vibration and let's get you know i can understand why well, i might get flicked the v's by him <laughs> however there are still 
many, 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 many of us who are sitting there on our £50 a month mobile phones, ordering a Domino's pizza on a Friday night, booking a holiday in the summer, albeit not to the Maldives, and now maybe it might be to Tenerife this year, um, still driving around in a lease car, still just about managing to pay the mortgage payments, although that's a subject on its own. And, you know, there are there is plenty of wriggle room, whereas actually if you took advantage of that wriggle room, your situation could change hugely. And for many as well, sorry to bang on about this, but I'm quite passionate, you know, the lack of gratitude that many of us have for the things that we do have, like this may sound, people might raise their eyebrows at me, but when I get my water bill, I look at my water bill, and I'm very happy to pay my water bill because for me to have endless water coming out of the tap whenever I want it to, I think is an absolutely amazing thing. You know, to put the lights on and all that kind of stuff. And yes, I know it costs money, but still, it's a fantastic thing to have. And I think that it's a lot healthier to try and be grateful for these little things and find gratitude in every day. And actually my gratitude practice is one of the key things that has changed me from being a money tyrant to more of a money magician. Wow. And, we'll and it's so, money types in a bit. Yes. And it's so true. Like we still see adverts on the TV now about children in different countries that are having to walk miles to go and get water that isn't clean, that is still really dangerous for them. And we often detach ourselves from that, don't we, and go, that's happening somewhere else and it's kind of not, it's not happening here for us right now. Um, and yeah, just being able to walk into the kitchen and turn on the tap <clears throat> and drink from that is, to that, to someone else could be, that's the difference between like life or death. And it's interesting, it's interesting actually, because um, a little while back I was delivering um, a service for the NSPCC, the NSPCC school service teaching little ones about um, different types of abuse. And I happened to meet somebody who came, who was a teacher who'd come across on an exchange from India. And I was chatting to him and I was talking about the differences in education and he was going, you know, it's incredible. I walk into this classroom and there are 25 kids in this classroom. The whole classroom is festooned with decorations, interactive whiteboards, boxes of pens and marker pens and rubbers and rulers and all this kind of stuff. There are, he said, there are four teaching assistants in the class that I'm that I'm in for, for children with troubles and the classroom's so noisy he said it's so noisy all the time he said everyone's you know it's noisy he said my classroom I have 90 children we sit in one barn uh, which is open at the sides I have one chalkboard and every single one of those children sits there just wanting to learn their brains just open and look and seeing the opportunity for what it is to actually learn from from me, he says, you know, from me. And that makes it makes him feel good. And you look at the whole culture around our education system. And, you know, it's just upside down and back to front. I don't I mean, that's not the conversation that we're having today, but maybe another time. But it's you know, we need to change this culture. Mm, absolutely. Not anywhere, it's not heading anywhere fast. No, 
for sure. And again, you know, the, the gratitude that we have for, you know, we just take it as our right that we should have an education system. Maybe that's okay, but maybe be have some gratitude for it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that Yeah, that's really interesting to hear about just the different kind of perspectives people have because of what they've seen and what what, what they live effectively as well. So brilliant. Thank you so much for that. Um, so as you mentioned earlier, your children are, they're still your child, children, of course, but they are, <laughs> they are a little bit older. So what I'd love, Fanny, if you could just think one either nugget of little gold nugget, a bit of advice or information or just something that um, if you reround the clock and you were sitting there with like your firstborn and they were like six months old or something like that what you would wish you knew then what you could perhaps pass on to people now well do you know i'm going to actually pass on something that i did know right and i one there is no such thing as a perfect parent and we are all here to f up our kids there's even a book called it and a poem and all that kind of stuff and whatever you do you are going to make mistakes however i remember my mum telling me she started driving when she was when she was pregnant and the first thing the driving instructor said to her you have in front of you a lethal weapon and it just got me thinking right and i don't know quite where it happened but i do remember um holding connie my eldest when she, after she'd been born and i think there was there was a song playing on the radio is it um what's the song i believe the children are our future you know that one it wasn't I it wasn't Whitney Houston version, it was the other version. And I suddenly, and it was came across, those two things came across and I was holding this baby and I just went, my job, my job as a parent is to help this child in any way I can to become a better human being than I am. And I need to make sure that I give it every opportunity and train it to live in this world train her to live in this world to be able to handle money handle social situations handle her self-worth and her and the, the way she feels every single thing to make this person be our future as human beings and i vowed to myself that if i didn't know what to do i would learn and i think that's the thing um and I think that's the main thing, really, is just to look at your be with your child and look at your child and treat it as a the future of, of humanity. And that, you know, you never know. It might be your child that changes the world. What uh, that is just the best thought, isn't it? Imagine yeah. you, and right. you're right. You, you, you never know. You absolutely don't. And I think if we all think like that as a parent thinking our child could be that one yeah. person then that would be a really kind of powerful thing and it's really interesting you say about if you don't know something to learn about it because I feel like there's such a pressure for parents to know everything or to I feel like as a mother as well you're just expected to know like I remember when my little boy was a baby and I thought right well I know I need to feed him and I know I need to change his nappy and I know I need to not let him play in traffic and put his fingers in plug sockets like I know I need to keep him alive but actually very much outside of that 
I don't really know. Um, and that can often, I think, lead to kind of feelings of guilt and trying to keep up with people around you and oh. trying to trying to fit in. And it's a real, it's a minefield for parents to be like, oh gosh, well, if should my baby be doing that? Or oh, I don't quite know what to do that. Oh, but they're doing that. And it can just be such an overwhelming experience. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I remember when Co Connie went to nursery and she was like so good at writing at nursery because with a name like Connie, it's all circle things like you can do, or do like a row circle sort of thing. As soon as she got to school, she said, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with it. She didn't want, she just literally turned off everything to do with letters and reading and everything. And it got, you know, they got to that point where, what was it, Kip and Jim or something? What were the, what are the books they had? Biff and Chip. Biff and Chip, right. And you had the mums walking around. And when your daughter, when your child got put up a book, you know, you carry it to go, oh, we're on number nine now. And I remember just thinking, oh, my goodness, we're still only on two. And how it affect, you know, it, I allowed it to affect me. And, um. We just mustn't do that. And no. there is one more thing I would say. Yes. And I think this is one thing I really do wish I'd known. I wish I had been introduced to Carol Dweck and the book Mindset. Okay. Right. And if I, I, I really do, because my, um, we have to, we have, this is an absolute must now. Conditional and unconditional love is absolutely vital when you're parenting. When yeah. you say, have you been a good boy? They're always a good boy. You're just talking about their behavior. Yeah. You know, putting, and this, my mum put conditions on me right from the get go. And I, I have to honestly say that it's only been since I've done all my personal development work, work and therapy and everything that I've sorted it out. It's the number one thing that can change the children of today, I think. By yes. actually making sure that love is not conditional. Absolutely. That and I really hear you when um I think about so my little boy, um, when I think about like dinner time or lunchtime when he's at home, I remember being told as a child, you need to finish all your dinner. You need mm -hmm. you have to finish every single thing that's on your plate. Mm -hmm. Um otherwise you otherwise you can't get down from the table or you can't have dessert. But mm -hmm. actually that made quite an unhealthy relationship between me and food growing mm -hmm. up. So now I kind of say to my son, we only eat when we're hungry. Mm -hmm. And when our tummy is full, we stop eating, no matter how much is left on his plate, mm -hmm. because I want to try and instill in him a healthy relationship with food. Mm -hmm. And I try not to say, like, if he's cleared his plate, I go, oh, I don't want to say, like, oh, well done, because I don't want him to think, oh, I get praise if I finish all my food. Yeah. So yeah. Um, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and making, that. yeah and making... That's it. And as you say, like, oh, you're not, you know, you're always a good, you're always a good child. It's just behaviour sometimes um, can be challenging or Very different. Challenging. And it's just, and that's, and I think that always derives from an, an emotional state as well. I feel like children only ever do something that we deem as bad or naughty, but it's coming from a place of an emotion. They are feeling something or experiencing something. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like when we say I am happy, I'm not I am not happy. It's not an identity. It's not a label. I am feeling happiness at this moment. Yes. Right. I am angry. No, it's not a label. It's not an identity. I'm feeling anger at this moment. Yeah. 
mummy's angry no i'm feeling angry what you the, the the thing that you just the thing that you just did hasn't made me feel very happy in fact it's made me feel quite angry should we talk about it not you're a bad boy i'm angry two yeah. labels boom boom just gotta stay away from the labels absolutely absolutely that's really interesting to hear and really kind of quite important as well because they're they're quite small things aren't they that we can do they're tiny, but they're, they're tiny and they're yep. also very easy to slip up on yes so jeff for anybody out there who who hasn't heard of this carol dweck mindset book you'll know it from you heard the heard the um phrase growth mindset and fixed mindset yeah she invented it and that's what that book's all about wow okay and if i had a if somebody had have given me that book when i was a young mum it would yeah. have changed a lot of things for me perfect so that's the ideal gift for someone's baby shower maybe very much so yes i um, really think so really good book be a bit hard there's a bit of a funny sporty bit in the middle but hey you can skip that bit <laughs> brilliant okay noted thank you so much but, you know, like there's, there's all bits about you know do you put the picture on the fridge and all that kind of stuff okay you know when little johnny comes home from school yeah and, you know goes a picture and you know it's all that decision do you put what what the, what's the whole psychology about getting it on the fridge ah it's really it's very very interesting so i would recommend that to all young parents no, I'm going to have a look at that because my fridge is, you can't even see the fridge. It's just full of, you know, anything that, because my son doesn't, he's not, he's, they call him a reluctant writer. Um, he doesn't Another like lady. <laughs> so Another anything, lady. yeah, that exactly, exactly that. So anything he does do, I'm like, right, we're putting it up here because I love to see it. And I feel like I'm showing him that I'm proud of him, but I don't know, maybe I'll read the book and find out whether I should be doing that or not, really. Mm. But um, okay, brilliant. Thank you so much for that. So what I'd love to do now, Fanny, is to um, move on to some advice that you can give us. Yeah. Okay. Um, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with budgeting? Well, uh, okay. So let's think about, let's just, let's reframe the whole thing. Okay. So for those who are listening who see money as bothersome, burden, boring, like the words bank statement or budget, let's try and recraft it. Because like I said, you're going to have money with you pretty much 24 seven because we're all sitting here spending money right while you know, lights on, charging phones, whatever, 24 hours a day, we're spending spending money yeah um let's frame it a little bit differently and let's frame it as a financial adventure oh okay that yeah. sounds good yeah we're not we're not talking dora the explorer we're talking more indiana jones or oh, even better okay well so whereas you might be thinking it'd be quite nice just to wander around with your backpack on like dora did does <laughs> it does i just still exist dora the explorer she's probably she out there somewhere absolutely yeah. You know, Indiana Jones, as we remember, he often had to run down corridors with fireballs chasing him and dived into nests of vipers and all that kind of stuff. And that happens in financial life. But the more resilient we become and the more open we become and the more curious and courageous we become, uh, we get clarity and we can set ourselves on a course to get to wherever we want to do. So thinking about any adventure, 
you're going to need some stuff kit you're going to need a map which is the money map which we i call that's what i call a budget really or a spending plan so we ditch the b word replace it with a with an m word mm -hmm. um, you're going to need a compass so that you can keep on track once you've got your map you're going to need a destination there's no point you've got to go somewhere right and yeah. then you need to have the the mindset and the motivation to get there because if you actually really don't want to go or you don't want to have anything to do with it it's not going to be much of an adventure we need to get you judged up so that you think yep okay i'm willing to put on my boots and my hat and off we'll go so any four of those things so let's think about so you can start where you want to start really because okay. everybody will be different so if you're sitting there and you're going oh god i don't i really don't want anything to do with this the last place i would start would be the map because to sit down and start start putting numbers in boxes is really not going to be your thing is it really so and also then also thinking about a destination might also be hard because if you have a if you're having this identity you've slapped this label on yourself that says i'm not any good at money um then it's going to be very difficult to think up a destination if you really don't believe that you're going to get there so maybe leave those two so you could start with a compass start okay. just starting to get a little bit closer to your numbers and something that i i recommend is an app which is called money dashboard which is where you can start looking at your numbers in a bit more of a jolly way so you this app is free and um are you, i mean if you're banking with um if you're just with one bank now they usually have some kind of budgeting thing that you can look at if you're one of the modern banks so for instance when you you'll notice that if you go and buy some petrol for the car they might all already put it in the category of transport you know if you go to the little and get your weekly shop chances are they might call it groceries and then you can go and go well how much did we spend on groceries this month so you're starting to get just a little bit of a handle. So if you, you know, that's one place you could start. Money dashboard is brilliant because if you have a number of accounts or and credit cards, you can put them all into one place and the transactions run in date order. So you can see them all together in one place. So you haven't got to go, oh, how much have we spent on that? How much have we spent on that? Oh God, we got that going out of that account and that going out and it's all terribly complicated. Yeah, it actually just brings it all together so you can see it all in one place. Bloody marvellous it is. Really yeah. good. And it's recently been bought by ClearScore. Okay. Who are one of the credit reference agencies. So long may it continue to be around. I've been using it since 2017, like almost when it first started. And yeah. I absolutely love it. So I now have a daily practice, which is what I would recommend to anyone a daily practice of five minutes yeah whereby i just go in make sure all the transactions are tagged and then at the end of the month i can see what i spent then the idea is is that you would match what you see on your compass to your yeah. map and you suddenly go but i haven't got a map so then it might hope it might inspire you to start thinking about money mapping right okay? so for those people who are like, oh, this is just all too much, we better start on the mindset and the motivation. Yeah. Um, this is where the money types come in. 
when I trained at the Money Coaching Institute, they taught us about eight money archetypes. So eight fictional characters who all behave and think about money very differently. Oh. And we have each, all of those money types within us. Yes. And it just depends which ones are what I call driving our financial life. Okay. So the way we work it is I give you a tour bus to go on yep. your financial adventure, right? It's a really nice tour bus. And then we look at your money types and I'll quickly whiz through them in a minute. And we, I ask you, who is driving your financial life? So there was a famous quote by a writer called Ayn Rand. And she said, money is simply a tool. It will take you wherever you wish to go, but it will not replace you as the driver. So who is driving? Have you ever seen a film called Inside Out? Yes, Disney I have. Film. Yes. Right. So anybody who hasn't seen that film, watch the film. Absolutely amazing. But this is the sort of thing that we've got. We've got eight voices in our heads that all sort of have say different things when it comes to money. So the eight money types are the innocent, which is the one head in the sand, don't really want to have anything to do with it. I'm rubbish with money. Would love somebody else to come along and sort it all out for them. A bit over trusting, always asking people others' opinions, can't make a decision. Oh my goodness. <sighs> Smile on the outside, anxious on the inside. I just go to sleep and hopefully it's all gone away tomorrow. Yeah. That's the innocent. Victim. Well, you know, whatever I do, nothing works. It's just really hard. I've done, you know, I've tried this, I've tried that, tried that, nothing happened. And, you know, and if my parents had taught me better, I would have been so much better at money. So blaming other people, living in the past, because let's face it, some of these stories, a bit like my money story with my mum mm. married. If I if I could stay there, that would be that's so much more interesting than what's going on in my life right now. But we don't have to live in the past. And actually, if you are, you know, if we are still living in past stories of woe is me and doom and gloom, time to move on because we have yeah. to do something with that and move on. So then we got that. Then we got the warrior, the money type of action. We all want him, her, it. So we all want our warrior to be at the wheel of our financial bus because they're the ones that are going to be financially savvy, motivated, on it, you know, keeping up with it, switching, card tarting, whatever, all that kind of stuff. So we want that. And then we've got the martyr. Oh, you know, if I don't do it, nobody else will, you know, um, tends to uh, give more than they receive. So always good at giving presents, not very good at receiving. Um, yeah. Often becomes quite judgmental because you become quite a perfectionist when you've got martyr tendencies because nobody does things as well as you do. Right. Um, but then it's like, well, I have to do everything. You know, sounds a little bit like me, actually, if I'm honest. Yeah, we've all got a bit martyr inside us. But yeah, so that's the thing. And it, you can get a little bit judgmental sometimes and, and be disappointed in other people's performances yeah. because, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So martyr, although there are some lovely bits for the martyr, martyrs can be compassionate and wise and lovely as well. But they, in its extremes, not great. Full roller coaster of money life. Due diligence is not their middle name by any stretch of the imagination. Um, goes into deals without thinking things. Um, doesn't think about tomorrow. Doesn't think about pensions. Doesn't think, you know, YOLO, you only live once, all that kind of stuff. And um, would would be lovely, would give the shirt off their back to you um, and leave themselves short because they just, 
just not really emotional spending can come out with fall as well so you know i've worked really hard this week sod it let's go and blow everything that i saved on a curry and a couple of bottles of prosecco that can happen you know and then wake up with post-purchase depression the next day that can happen then we've got creator artist um creator artist is the one who's conflicted so never quite sure where they fit into the world i'm not materialistic but i would like to have a bit more money um, I, um, chances are if they're running a business, they might give away too much of their services for free. They'll undercharge. Um, how can I have money when they're all starving children in Africa? Um, but then on the other hand, can't quite get in. But lovely, creative and spiritual as well. Uh, then number seven is the tyrant. Um, who can become controlling, manipulative, hoarding, secretive. Uh, not very nice, actually, where money is all important. Yeah, financially successful, but thinks that if they're financially successful, then that's going to buy them love. Um, really, the, the tyrant in its extreme, I wasn't totally extreme, by the way. <laughs> Think, you know, what they really want is everything that money can't buy, which is love and all that kind of stuff. Donald Trump comes to mind when we're talking about tyranny. Okay, I hear you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know come to me for me oh, I, was, I was gonna be rude and i'm not gonna do that so yeah you know <laughs> never mind we won't go there. and then we have the magician we love the magician so we okay. love the magician we love the warrior and we like a bit of the creator artist the magician is the money type of faith trust and balance so it's when you're able to make decisions without being attached to the outcome so basically you make a decision it all goes peak tong you go okay I made that decision with clarity and you know it was clear i knew what i was doing so it's gone wrong never mind we move on um the magician knows that if they rock up every day and um do good things in the world uh, everything will be okay you don't yeah. work for the money you work for the the service that you're giving but you know also know that money is important so open to flow spiritual conscious aware um wise generous but not over generous the one that sort of got it all in you know got it all going on yeah so only your eight characters um you now need to work out which ones are driving your life and you'll be able to feel them when you get to know them on my website there's a money type quiz which people can take fannysnaith.com and it'll give you the results and it gives you also on there there's full descriptions of all the money types so it's a good idea to it, it rather than going i'm just rubbish with money and slapping a label on or oh i just spend it all the time or you know whatever you tend to say around money dig into it a bit more and mm. if you can start trying to recognize what's behind some of that behavior or the kind of behavior that you have with money if you can name it you can change it yeah so it's Absolutely. like a framework yeah to work within really rather than you know you can say God, I've had a bit of an innocent day today. And actually, these money types, they're not just about money. They're about many other parts of your life as well. Right. You know? So it's brilliant. OK, so, yeah, go to go to your website, take the money quiz. Yeah. See what's coming up and then <clears throat> read it to them and see see who's driving it. Yeah. And well, you take the quiz and it'll come up with the results. But we're going back to the question of so how do we you know, where do we start? I think the first place that we start is having the mindset that money is not this god awful thing that we have to deal with go into it with an adventure go embrace the topic with 
curiosity, creativity, courage, consistency, confidence. Lots of fight with C words there. Yes. Definitely. And then make sure you visit all the four parts, map, destination, uh, compass, and mindset, sorry. And um, you'll sort of cover it because you'll end up learning about investing and saving and all sorts of stuff. Excuse me. <laughs> Bless oh. you. <laughs> so there you are. When it comes to budgeting, you have to have a budget. You have to have a money map. Um, yeah. Because if you don't have the guide of roughly what you're going to spend each month, how are you ever going to get forward? There's no point thinking about Christmas on the 1st of December. No. You're going to have a huge spike in your cash flow. So for anybody who has a business or has, you know, works in the business, what everybody's always talking about is a nice, smooth cash flow. And we want exactly the same in our personal life. So money mapping helps us to map out everything. We give um, every pound a purpose. So we use the zero budgeting method, which is basically income, less expenses, less debts, less investing equals zero. Not one, not minus one equals zero so that every pound has a purpose so we think about all the things that we spend our money on but we also think about how we spend our money and i divided it into three categories so you have um, everyday spends which are things like supermarket coffees petrol you know you 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 know roughly how much you well, you know how much money you've budgeted or you've planned you've mapped to spend that month but you're going to yeah. make a number of transactions so you need the money to be available to you you know you don't have to start moving it from savings accounts and all that sort of stuff so you basically leave your everyday spends in your current account yeah and you have automated spends yeah so anything that you can automate subscriptions direct debit standing orders yeah anything you can automate put in one space and then we have sometimes spends, which are things like Christmas, birthdays, maybe haircuts, opticians, all those things that we know we've got to spend money on during the year, but we're not going to go every month. Okay. So, for instance, you, I don't know how, I mean, my glasses, these glasses, I think they were what, 250 quid or something. So, I'm hoping these will probably last me a couple of years, but let's say mm -hmm. they, let, you know, if you, if you're spending, um 240 quid on a pair of glasses that means i need to start putting away 20 pounds a month for the next pair because i want the money to be sitting there before i go to the opticians not have to find it and go oh god i had to pay the optician this month i cannot tell you how your whole life changes when you get to live your financial life on the front foot so for instance you start mapping in January, let's say, and you saving up money for Christmas, let's say put 100 pounds a month aside for Christmas. When it comes to you starting to buy Christmas presents and the money is sitting there, 
the joy of Christmas really comes to the fore. People tell, tell me all the time, say, Fanny, I cannot believe, Christmas is always a really good one, I can't, can't believe how different Christmas has been this year when I was able to see a pot of money that I joyfully spent because I yeah. knew that's what it was for. Absolutely. That, I mean, just because when I think, going to think about spending for Christmas, I think about, oh, you really you're really mindful of what you buy because of the cost of it rather than if you already had that money sitting there you're just the whole experience and attitude I guess around it to buying presents for people it becomes less about just buying them a present and I guess more thought can go into it oh actually yeah. I think so and so would really really like that I've got the money to buy it for them yeah, yeah. and the same, the same with holidays you know, oh my God, we were so stressed, you know, we just had to go on holiday. So you go on holiday, put it on the credit card, and the chances are you haven't even paid it off before next year's holiday is coming up. You know, it's like, and I and I can imagine that there's possibly some people sitting there screaming at the screen going, well, we can't afford to do that. At first, you won't. It's, a, it's something that's built up over time. So for instance, let's say you did spend 1,200 quid on Christmas last year. You know, we're in May now. So May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. We've got eight months left. If you were to do 1,200 quid divided by eight, you've got to start putting 150 pounds a month aside. Right. That sounds hard, right? Yeah. However, if you're still going to get to Christmas and spend 1,200 quid. So even if, you put, <clears throat> even if you put 10 pounds a month aside or 20 pounds a month, aside, just start. Yeah. <clears throat> and build it up. You know, it's it's rare that people will have um, enough money set aside right now to what I call charge all their pots. So, like, for instance, all the sometimes spend. So, you know, so that they're all full before yeah. they start. So the only other way to do it is just do it. Just do it gradually. Just start trying to get ahead of yourself. Mm. And if it means nipping and tucking and snipping and cutting. Then we that those are the sacrifices that we have to make. I made lots of sacrifices when I was younger and by God, I'm so grateful I did now. Not, you know, I didn't live a leader, miserable life at all, but I just early on, I tried to make a decision as to what I really valued and things. Luckily, I don't know whether it's luck or whatever, but I didn't value Gucci handbags or it, it wasn't, it didn't, it just didn't do anything for me really so yeah. it was easier for me to put that money into investments yeah absolutely i wanted to ask you um fanny actually because it's something that i think <clears throat> came up came up when i bought um when i bought my first house with my husband um the idea of debt really kind of i found it really dif difficult to deal with not the mortgage but say for example we were looking at fridges or washing machines or cookers mm -hmm. and i just always always had a notion in my head that i couldn't buy anything unless i had the full amount Mm -hmm. to pay for it mm -hmm. um, and my husband came from a place of he'd had a credit card and he would paid things off monthly and he was totally fine with it mm -hmm. and I was like well I can't buy something if I don't have the full amount to pay for it and it really took me a long time to accept that paying monthly for something was okay or if I didn't have the full amount because say for example someone's boiler breaks there's mm -hmm. very few of us that would have the money in the bank to then pay out outright 
for a new boiler. So I was going to ask you kind of where, what, what you think about that and kind of perhaps where that comes from maybe. So interesting what you said. So you would, you found it very difficult to buy something on the never, never. Yes. To spend your future income on what you're buying now. Yes. Good. Okay. Right. That's what I would say, first of all. Although we know. So interesting. So what you just said. Yes. Most of us live that way. Most people live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. I mean, the, the amount of savings that people have is pitifully low. I can't. I'm not going to give you figures, but I get I get the figures from the money charity every every month and they are reasonably interesting. What I do know is that as a country, we pay £139 million a day in interest. So of all those people, of people who believe that they buy things on the never, never and pay interest on it, I'm not mm. talking about on 0%, whereas I know it's difficult to get out of that loop mm. and needs to be done gradually, there really is no argument for there's no arguments for buying things and then paying 25% or how much it is on top of it in interest. Right. I don't, you know, if you're, if you've got, I mean, I will, I will buy things and I have an interest free credit card mm -hmm. and I will buy things on, on, on that using that credit card, but I will only do it when I've got the money sitting in another bank account earning interest. So right. I could pay it all off. With it. Not the same as mortgages, obviously. And that's sort of the next thing is that, you know, we're getting literally stung at the moment with mortgages. But this thing about buying this culture of buying things and paying later only really came about um, <clears throat> with the access credit card back in the 70s. Once we started getting credit cards, that's what we started to do. Mm. And there is no doubt that when people are buying things and paying for them later, they are paying more for them. Um, you know, it, it's psychologically, how draining is it when you're paying for your fridge freezer four years? I did it, right? I remember when DFS, I think they still do it, DFS, and they used to do four years interest-free credit, right? So I bought, in 1997, I bought two sofas and a poof right <laughs> on on interest free credit and you didn't pay anything for a year and then you and then you paid it off over three years later right on interest free incredible deal mm. so okay why would i not do that why would i not keep the money in my account instead of putting it into theirs i didn't have the money set aside at that time and it just felt like a psychological burden yeah That's what it felt like it, yeah. it wasn't necessarily it was, you know, it was a good deal, but I just was like, oh God, I'm just, I seem to be just paying for this. You know, it's like a, just another bill. Why isn't it just gone? I don't want, I don't want to pay for it anymore. Mm. So I think it's, it's thinking about the psychological thing. You know, how does it affect you psychologically? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about um, investing for our children. <clears throat> okay, so this is another thing I wish I'd done, which I didn't. 
So this, if you can start setting some money aside for your children as soon as they're born, even if it's £20 a month or something like that, we have to remember that one of the biggest bonuses of investing is the benefit of compound interest. Compound interest is when, so for instance, if you put £100 in the, in the bank and it's on 5% interest, at the end of year one, you'll have £105. If you leave that £5 in and then you get another 5% interest, you'll get 5% on £105. So it's like the £5 plus a little bit more and then plus a little bit more and plus a little bit more. The eighth wonder of the world, compound interest. Because the interest earns the interest and earns the interest and earns the interest. Yeah. And if you were to, so there's two ways that you can start saving for your for your child. Um, you, well, actually, there's more than two ways, but there are two ways that I consider to be the best way to do, and that's through an ISA, a junior ISA. Yeah. And you can put up to nine thousand pounds a year in there. And it, that though that money will always be tax free for them, including right. including how it grows, right? So, you know, there are such people as ISA millionaires. The because when you're an adult, you can put twenty thousand pounds in there. So there are two different types of ISA that they can have. They can have a cash ISA, which is where you just put money in and you earn an interest rate. Mm. Up until now, in fact, even now, the interest rates have been really pitiful. Right. So it's hardly been worth it. And also in a savings account, you can earn up to a, a grand or so in interest, which means you're investing something like 35,000 quid or something to get a grand in interest because the interest rates have been so low right. um, or you pay tax anyway. So you could put money into a cash ISA if you want to. That's a choice. But you could also consider putting money into a stocks and shares ISA which I know some people go, the stock market. But yeah. the importance being that if you're going to invest in, put money in the stock market, which means you're buying a little piece of lots of companies. We're not talking about putting on the stock market and put it all on Apple or putting yeah. it all on Coca-Cola. We're talking about maybe, maybe, and I have to be very careful what I say here because I'm not a financial advisor, I'm not allowed to give advice, but I will tell you what I've done with what I did with my children mm -hmm. later, but obviously, is I would invest in something like um what they call a world, a global all cap fund, including emerging markets, let's say. So what that means is you're investing in all the world, all the all over the world, you're going to be investing in all cap, all caps so it's like different size businesses small medium and large businesses and what you also want to look for is a fund that invests in all the different sectors so finance pharmaceuticals retail hospitality etc yeah electronics yeah. tech all that kind of thing so what you're doing is you're going okay so i'm taking this 10 pounds and i'm investing it some of the funds have got like 7,000 companies in them oh, and you, you spread your 10 pounds amongst all these companies and yeah of course some are going to go bust over time but that's by diversifying your investment chances are it's gonna do okay and if you look at the stock market over time 
mm. any of the stock markets like the S&P 500, the FTSE 100, the FTSE indexes, the Dow Jones, the NASDAQ. If you look at all of those over time, like a long period of time, not one, two years, but like if you're thinking for your child, maybe up to 18, let's say. Yeah. It's done well. Um, there are investors that, <clears throat> let's say, for instance, if you invested for 10 years in the 80s, you might make diddly squat. But because things weren't so good. But if for a from a child's point of view, if you're doing something from that early age and you're getting the compound and the compound, the and the, you should end up with something really rather special. Brilliant. But That's is, really interesting to hear. It is the benefit of time. So maybe, you know, maybe a yearly gift from grandma or grandpa or whatever. You know, the, instead, yeah. of, instead of getting some, I mean, I, <clears throat> here we go, look. I always, so instead of giving people these £3.50 birthday cards that you have to buy now, just put, stop, don't buy the £3.50 birthday card, perhaps, um, or maybe buy it once. And if grandma buys little Lucy a birthday card, take it back, send her the same one every year. This is what my husband and I do. We've had the same Christmas card we've exchanged between us since 1997 oh since we started and going back and looking they get the christmas cards come out with the christmas decorations yeah and it's got an added piece of paper into it now because obviously it's got so many messages on it it's lovely to look through yes know? and we do the same with valentine's cards we do the same with birthday cards and anniversary cards to buy one card and then we do it but if you think about buying your grandson or your your child a birthday card every year what do they do with it they open it up and they go oh that's nice toss it aside and i mean do you remember any of the birthday cards you got last year well no well i do i keep i keep everything in a box in mm. the hope that one day when he turns 18 my son will joyfully sit and look mm. through all of these years worth of birthday cards but in reality is that going to happen probably well, not you know, it's so funny. We, we we think we do this every year at Christmas and we go, so how many of our neighbours are we going to burden with a Christmas card this year? Yes. <laughs> and do you know what? I've got two plastic boxes in the loft of the girls' things, one for Connie and one for Wren. Mm. Neither of them are interested. No. Oh, gosh. That well, makes me sad, but also realistic. Yeah. Okay. That's a really lovely idea, actually, of having that one, especially for grandparents and actually for, for parents as well. I think that's actually um, a really lovely thing to do because everything's then kept together and you can see the trial almost. And put money, put some money in the in the savings account, put some money yeah. in the junior ISA instead. Yeah. Because like you say, you just it's got the the gift of time um, and just little bits here and there that are always going to do. And then when they get to a certain age, which only you will know as a parent, and this is the next thing about kids, hmm. show them. And actually, you know, take them to Disney and go, you own a bit of this, by the way. Just saying. <laughs> iPhone, got the first iPhone. You own a bit of Apple. Did you know that? Yeah. Not much, but you do. Yeah. Yeah. Dominoes, you own a bit of that. Yes. Johnson and Johnson, just wash your hair. You own a bit of that. <laughs> Absolutely. Brilliant. Like, what do you mean? Well, let's go and have a look, shall we? 
Yeah. And the thing is, chances are you probably won't have a clue how it works. You don't just be curious. Yeah. What, what, what is this fund, this global all cap thing, fund thing? What what is it? Where do what what where you're that is absolutely okay for you not to know. Yeah. But okay. it's so easy to learn when you remove yeah. the barrier and just put that curiosity cap on. Yeah, definitely. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, right, lastly, couple dynamics. Um, so obviously parents or yeah, well they're together or not, um, but mostly together. Mm. Yeah, couple dynamics. So I would suggest if for those of you that are together, take both of you take the money type quiz and yeah. see what comes up the ideal relationship money wise would be for um two magicians two warriors and a bit of creator artist that would be great and then yeah. to maybe split the responsibility so or decide what you're going to do right i'm responsible for switching the gas electricity or whatever we you know looking after the gas and electricity accounts you're responsible for making sure the pay credit cards paid off somehow so you have a split not okay. one taking one taking the responsibility. The other go. Oh, I don't know. She copes with all of that, or he copes with all of that. The dynamic that tends to happen, and um, is something that happened in my life as well, is you tend you go into a relationship. First of all, you won't have had a conversation about money, so you sort of and everything's all lovely and it's all nice and all that sort of thing. Then you, the first thing you've got to do is organise a bloody wedding, right? Which is you know, which is huge <laughs> financial. So you're going to start working out then. What your values are around money i suggest do it before i mean i'm coaching a couple at the moment who are working with me to prevent worries with money going forward so they can have a great relationship with money i understand that's not for everybody but so what generally tends to happen is you have a warrior and then you have an innocent so the warrior is the one of action who tends to do the money and the innocent goes oh, i'm rubbish with money i just let them do that and that's all fine but what tends to happen over time is that the warrior after many years um starts to get a bit annoyed and will move into martyr well if i didn't do it who else is going to do it right you know it's like, and i wouldn't trust them to do it anyway because they like rubbish at it and they've been able to you've basically enabled them to practice being rubbish at it all this time as well so by the time you start slipping into martyr and start make dropping these little passive aggressive comments like, well, if I don't do it, nobody's going to do it. What's going to happen to the innocent is they start shifting into victim. You know, well, I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be able to do it. They, you know, they, they just blame me all the time. You know, whatever I do, I can't do it. You know, can't be good enough. And then once you've slipped firmly into martyr, a little bit down the line, the victim will then start feeling sorry for themselves and you might start to see emotional spending coming out, being more financially irresponsible. And then what could happen is that the um, martyr then slips into tyrant. And it's not a great dynamic at all. I see it a lot. I do see it a lot. It's not the only dynamic, but to go through all of them is really tricky. I mean, I'm two fools is two active fools is um, worrying. There is one thing I must say about the money types, because we talked about labels earlier, and this is really important. When we're talking about driving your financial life and we're working out who's at the wheel of that bus, that tour bus that I gave you, and you can see it by your results, we must remember that the money types are not who you are. They're just where you are. 
So it's all dynamic. You yeah. can put another driver in the in the driving seat when you are conscious and aware of who is already in the driving seat. Right. You know, it's like, oh my God, I can see that I've, I've got my fool in the driving seat. I don't want that. I want my magician. So what does the magician do? Oh, yes. And I've got to try and be open to flow. I've got to try and learn things about this and do that. Okay, maybe I can do a couple of steps to bring my magician out and then try and entice my fool to the back of the bus and put my warrior and my magician in the driving seat. Yeah. We all have all of them within us. We yes. do. Right? We do. Yeah. We do. We really do. So it, that's really important to say. So couple dynamics, again, I would look at the money types and use those as a framework. But I would say that both parties must not give away their power over the finances. I was going to, it's interesting you say that because I feel like there's, it can often be the case where perhaps the male takes the lead with finances. Um, when I think about mums and going on maternity leave and they then depends what their specific workplace package might be like in relation to maternity leave then dropping down to statutory pay from the government which is not a lot at all and then depending on how much time they choose to have off like I then had it when I went down to no pay at yeah. all yeah um, so when I think about the different dynamics when it comes to kind of around having a baby as well right. it's interesting you say about not giving away your power yeah and and you know let's think about it as well is that if you think about a woman um having a child and being off work your chances are you'll be doing most of the spending so you've got this interesting dynamic of like i have no money coming in i'm relying on my partner i'm doing most of the spending it's it, it can very easily send you into a tailspin very easily send you into a tailspin. So the idea is, is to just be conscious of that. And again, just try and stay balanced with it. And when you start having uncomfortable feelings of inadequacy, inequality, um, hearing your partner going, how much? <laughs> and all this kind of stuff is just to keep your head and go, what's going on here? What actually is happening here? Let's be open and honest about this and let's see what we can do. Because I feel bad. You feel bad. Let's see if we can get to a place where we can be um, both happy because it, it can happen. And that comes down to having a map. So you know how much you're, you're going to be able to spend on baby blankets this month from your monthly visit to Ikea, cushions and candles. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, if it's not in the budget, you don't spend it. And you know how much you're supposed to be spending on the groceries and all that kind of stuff. So you've got a guideline that you both know that you can stay within or you're, you're, plan you're going to do your damnedest to stay within mm. as much as you can. But at least then you're working together and you haven't got this these grey areas. I call them murky pots where you just, yeah. you know, where you just don't really, you know, you know, there's money, but I don't really know where it's going. It's just getting clear getting yeah. clarity on it clarity and honesty go hand in hand so beautifully yeah for, you know when you're working as a couple definitely and it's not easy you know it's not easy which is why i think it's so important to treat it if we can as an adventure yes. rather than go well it's not easy you know it's really really hard you know you can do that but then it's very easy to slip into martyr victim wherever mm. actually we'll just Absolutely. leave it won't bother this month we'll do it next month and then next <laughs> comes in, it's all a bit, you know, 
Oh, brilliant. Oh, Fanny, thank you so much. Um, I have found this really encouraging and interesting. I've got two people I'm going to go and check out. Um, I've got the money quiz to do and go and see who's driving at Those the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, Absolutely. Yep. So I'm going to go and check that out. Um, <clears throat> and yes, thank you so much um, for, for coming on. I if um if anybody's interested, I also because I I used to run a program. I do run it every now and again. A program called My Money Makeover, where we have a group of people and we meet together once a week for ten weeks, and we go through money mapping and destination and mindset and all that kind of stuff as a group. And it also encourages people to talk about to talk about things. I've got a wait list for it on my on my website. If anybody's interested, the course is four nine nine for ten weeks. Right. But from that, I have lifted. The money mapping system and also offer that as a as a standalone course a diy do it on your own videos and showing you how to use the money map and with my excel spreadsheet which has got colors and everything in it yes and so that's also that's all i also sell that and that's priced at 88 pounds if anybody's interested in that just <clears throat> sign up you know just go and take the money type quiz yeah also i offer a free half an hour talk about your money quiz results if you want brilliant it. Yeah. There's, you know, there's all sorts of things out there. Just go and have a little little look about. And I've got a store on my website. And you know, any questions, always reach out, reach out to me. Um, I'm always willing to help. I always like to help. Absolutely. I'm also, also a qualified cognitive hypnotherapist as well. So I do sort of understand the therapy side of things and know how difficult things are. Brilliant. And that's all at www.fannysnaith.com. Fannysnaith.com perfect luckily well, i've got quite an easily googleable name yes you have <laughs> you have all right um fanny thank you so much um for, for for coming on thank you very much for having me it's been a pleasure and good luck and happy happy times to all of you gorgeous parents who are creating the next the future of the world yes exciting thank you fanny take care